Welcome to the fifth session of, of our series on worship. We had um, four people in the month of June, and they were Joe, followed by Alan, followed by Alex, followed by Jonathan last week. So awesome. We thought it was going to be a four-week series, but um, we're going to go on until we're done. So I have a question to ask you, and I would like for you to think about it before you give me the answer. Any members of the Blackman family or the Blackman home group are not allowed to speak because you know the answer. Um, What is God's best for us? There's no higher goal that God has for us. There's no loftier, hmm, it's his, it's, his, it's his top for us. It's his ultimate for us. And if you'd like to tell me what it is, you're welcome. Good one. Pardon? All good. All good. All good. Not what I'm looking for. No, you can't answer. I've spoken to you already. Yes, you did speak to me. You gave me the wrong answer. <laughs> Who said something? Intimacy with God is probably the closest, and it's good. And understand that all these answers are, in fact, valid and true. Pardon? Joe. Yes. To be transformed into the image of Jesus. There's oodles of scriptures. They're on the front of your newsletter. Um, Well, just three. But the Bible is riddled with issues that talk to that. So, I love the one... In 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says in part, And the Lord makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So the title of this teaching is to look like Jesus. So it's story time. And I'm going to tell you the story of an amazing lady who today is in her 30s. She's beautiful. She um, lives in the Middle East, and her name is Samar Habib. Has anyone read her book, Face to Face with Jesus? Who's that? Yes, have you? Okay, it's a life-changing book. Recommended to me by someone in this church, and when I read it, my life was changed. In short, Samar Habib was born into a family of nine children, and they were all Muslims, and father was a leader in the Islamic movement. And right from a little girl, she knew in the depths of her being that Allah was not the God. So she just spent her childhood searching for the God. And didn't know what he looked like. But at the age of 14, she was born again and spirit-filled 
an, an event of note, um, completely changed. And at the age of 19, she died and went to heaven for a while. So she lived for five years as a Christian on earth. And her life was phenomenal. How she lived her life was exceptional. She was beaten up regularly by her older brother. She was despised by her father who could not believe the choices she had made. Um, Men would try and beat her up and, and rape her and she would just look at them in the middle of it all and say, I just love you so much and Jesus loves you too and you're amazing and um, if, if he could, he would, he would give his life to, for you again if you were the only person on earth. And she never did get raped, but she was persecuted immensely. And um, she devotes a chapter in her book to um, her experience of standing face to face with Jesus in heaven. And she writes it so well. She chooses words so, so particularly that I don't want to detract from that. So I've written um, a summary of it from her book. It's just three quarters of a page, which I'm going to read to you. So she's standing in her church, her Christian charismatic church in the middle of this Middle Eastern village. And um, what had happened previous to this is uh, some men had come and pretended to become born-again Christians, but they were in fact terrorists. And what they did was they scouted out the church and they placed four bombs there. Um, And miraculously, two actually didn't go off, but two did. So the bomb was placed inside a fire extinguisher cabinet, and she was leaning up against the cabinet when it exploded. So she was like right there. Her friend was decapitated in an instant. Samar was thrown 10 feet into the air and smashed against the opposite wall. Her body was burned and her head split open. People could see inside her skull. She died and went to heaven. When she opened her eyes in heaven, she saw brilliant white light illuminating Jesus. (sighs) Read it without crying. (laughs) No go. Whose face was brighter than the sun. His glory was such that Samar was blinded with unapproachable light. Everything around her was bathed in golden light. She was terrified, and his indescribable beauty and majesty had her speechless. Yet every fiber of her being exclaimed, holy, holy, holy. She fell face down at his feet, terrified and completely undone, aware that she was unclean in the presence of such holiness. He said, do not be afraid. And he reminded her that his blood washed her white as snow, making her pure and holy. He radiated an amazing love that contained deep acceptance. And she felt neither condemnation nor shame. She felt her body being lifted up 
And then she was standing before him. His eyes were like blazing fire of consuming love that completely overwhelmed her. Oh, we're all going to stand in front of that one day. Do you want to go back or stay here in heaven? Then he showed her her life like snapshots of a movie. She realized then that she'd lived her life for her own agenda. (laughs) Come on. How had she lived her life? Awesome. Awesome how she'd lived her life. But now that she stands before Jesus, she sees it all. Truth. We stand before truth. She'd lived her life for her own agenda and she repented. She was shaking so much that no words could come from her mouth, but he heard her heart. Then he showed her another scene. Her not yet saved family still steeped in their Islamic culture and their brokenness over her death. Oh my goodness, she thought, they're not handling this. Jesus showed her in that moment that one day they would all be in heaven. And today, they are all saved. Father was the last one to come in. He wanted her to go back for the salvation of her family. And for his family, the multitudes on earth. The multitudes of people, his children, lost on earth. He wanted her to go back to earth for the nations. All the while Samar was in heaven, she did not speak out loud. She and Jesus communicated heart to heart. Everything in her wanted to stay in that place forever because his presence is her home. However, she was motivated by love and not a sense of duty to go back to earth and tell the world about him. It felt so easy for her to talk to Jesus, like a child speaking to her father. So often she realized we complicate our relationship with Jesus, but it really is so simple. She understood that Jesus himself is heaven. And without him, it is not heaven. He is the center of everything. When she was in his presence, she wasn't aware of her surroundings. People have asked her if she saw angels, loved ones passed away, clouds of witnesses, the new Jerusalem, streets of gold, fields of flowers. It was all there. But her eyes were fixed on Jesus, the reason for everything that exists. Being with him in heaven made her one with him. She thought what he thought. She dreamed what he dreamed, felt what he felt, and prayed what he prayed. She understood now that she was not of this world. And from that point on, she died to her own will and started living holy for her bridegroom. There's a scripture in Romans 11.36. 
that says from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. The life application version says everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. And the message says everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory, always praise. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus is pivotal to life. He is central in heaven. Everything revolves around him. He's the king of heaven and he is heaven's answer. And that was standing before Samar. And that will stand before every single human being on earth. Whether we know him or not, whether we believe him to be true or not, one day we'll give account. And in, in all of that that she wrote, she said, before he uttered a word, she was terrified that he might say, who are you? She was absolutely terrified that she would be rejected. And she'd lived five years of extraordinary dedication to Jesus. So she came back into her bomb-blown body and... Um, Uh, She had to go to rehabilitation in a Muslim hospital for a year. Um, The Muslims knew that she was an infidel. An infidel is someone who does not recognize that Allah is God. So they hated her for it, and they would rip her bandages off her burned body a lot. And she just pleaded with Jesus to please take her home. She just made a wrong choice, and could she please just, I miss you so much. (laughs) I just love (laughs) that his presence is our home. It's, it's, It's not a place, it's not a tangible thing, but it's what we were made for. So she's there in in bed in this hospital for a year, and she's in absolute agony. And one day, God decided that he would give her new skin. She just looked at her body one day, and oh my gosh, just like baby soft, brand new, completely and utterly unblemished skin. So the doctors came in and they, the doctors and the nurses were furious because what is this? They, they had no way of hurting her anymore. Where did you go? What did you do? I mean, what could they say? <laughs> what could they say? She just said to them, this is my Jesus because he can. And uh, we need to understand that, that signs and wonders and miracles are not for us who walk with Jesus and who know him, we don't need them to believe that God is who he says he is. I I trust my Jesus. I trust him and I don't need to see a physical evidence for me to believe any further. But signs and wonders are for the world. So those Muslim doctors, (laughs) 
They couldn't deny that. It's how Todd White lives his life. He walks the streets, and the Lord gives him a word of knowledge about that man whose left shoulder is um, in pain because of a rugby injury four years ago. So Todd will walk up to the man and say, Hi, um, you've got rotator cuff issues in your shoulder, and um, Jesus lives in me, and he wants out. So can I pray for you? You've been in pain for four years because of a rugby injury. And the guy will be like, who are you? Get away from me. And he'll say, I'm just a Christian, dude. My name's Todd. And I just want to pray for you because um, who would want to be in pain for the rest of your life? It's been four years. It's time out now. So can I just put my hand on your shoulder and let's pray? Okay, okay. They're always freaked out. So he puts his hand on the shoulder and it's getting warm. I don't know what to do. He says, it's okay. It's okay. It's my Jesus. He loves you so much. He gave his life for you. And he thinks you're amazing, and so do I. So um, in the name of Jesus, Father, um, in the name of Jesus, it's all he ever prays. Father, in the name of Jesus. How's it going? Well, it's getting quite hot. Okay, is it still pain? Okay, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus. And then the guy is healed, and then Todd says, well, it's awesome meeting you, um, and, and have a nice day. And he leaves, and the guy's left with... A clean shoulder, but like, what's the catch? Where's the hook? Because salesmen always have a catch. But one sows and another waters and another tills the soil. Mm, 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 mm. We don't have to do the whole job. And that guy whose shoulder gets healed, who's one of thousands that Todd has has ministered to, um, can't deny what happened. He can't deny that he was healed. He can't deny that there is a God who is powerful and might love him. So he walks away going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And it might be three decades later that he'll come to Jesus. Signs and wonders are for the world. So she's lying there in her bed, Samar, and... um, And Jesus says to her, I bear scars for you. I have scars that bear witness to my story. And I want a scar for you to bear witness to your story. Touch your head. And her skull was, was, yeah. So so when she ministers to people, she parts her hair. And there you can see the scar on her head. And um, that lady sat next to Anthony at Bethel. She's an awesome lady who travels the world. She's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. She travels undercover. Did you see her, Candace? Oh, you heard her speak. Candace is a friend of ours. Candace, stand up and say hi to everyone. Hello, Candace. She's just finished her second year at Bethel, and she's going for her third year. Okay, we're going to change gear. I wanted to tell you that story because... Interesting that there was a point, and it was a specific point. I was going to say a point in time, but when you're in heaven, there is no time. But there was a point when Samar realized as she stood before Jesus that she was like him. She was one with him. She felt what he felt. She dreamed what he dreamed. And um, and that's and 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 that's. The end of the story with God, that's what he wants. 
He wants for us to be like him. Now I want to talk about praise. In Isaiah 60, it talks about the kingdom to come, where we're going. Understand that God is a God of mystery. What's with this? He's in front of me and he's following me and he wraps himself around and he lives in me and I walk in him and left and right. And it's, how can you understand that with your head? Father, Spirit, Son, three in one, separate yet. Mm, come on. There's a lot of mystery about God and there's a lot of mystery that has to do with our tomorrow. We don't know exactly what we're going to. We know that we're going to go to Jesus, but we don't know what it looks like. And he would have it that way. I read Revelation for the first time three weeks ago. Thank you, Paul Alcock, because of something that he'd said at home group, which had spiked my interest. And I'd never wanted to read it for years because everyone who reads Revelation just totally doesn't get it. (laughs) So I didn't want to read that. It's just frustrating. But oh my gosh. I've read it twice so far in different versions of the Bible. So Isaiah mirror images. Isaiah 60 mirror images Revelation. Jude, I'm so glad you read from Revelation last week. Actually, I was going to speak about Revelation today, but last night all of that changed. So Isaiah 60 verse 18. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Cities have walls to keep the city safe. You call your walls salvation. The word salvation comes from the word safe. Old Testament. New Testament, the what of salvation? Think of the armor of God. We wear the helmet of salvation to keep our mind safe. Your mind is the devil's playground. He's into lies and deception. He's into manipulation. He loves to plant doubt and fear right from the beginning. Adam in the garden, the serpent. Did God really say? Same old, same old. While we're on the armor of God, this is a beautiful picture. So you've got your helmet of salvation on. You're holding your shield of? Good one. Shield of trust. Faith is trust. I trust you. I trust that you are who you say you are. I'm not holding it here. I'm holding it in front of my mind because the enemy fires darts. Fiery darts. He, he, he shoots fiery darts at our minds. So I'm holding my shield of faith. I've got my, my helmet of salvation on. And what am I holding in my hand? Of? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we always think that it's a fencing sword. Well, I don't know if we always think that. I used to think that. Do we think it's a fencing sword? The word used to describe that particular weapon um, 
were, it, was a, it was a small little dagger with a curved blade. And its use primarily is to dig out darts. So as we hold up our shield of faith in front of us, the enemy fires a dart and sometimes it goes past our faith, through our faith. Are you hearing me? Did God really say? Lodges itself in our mind and we pick up our word of God and we minister to ourselves. Get that thing out. I cannot underestimate the importance of the word of God. And as many translations as I can, I'm not so much into books that people write as I am into God's word. And I want the new living, I want, I want the, the English standard, I want the NIV, so, and they all cross-reference, and how did he put it here? And so crucial. So crucial for us to know. Uh, I heard somewhere, and I can't remember where it is, FBI training or something, that um, these guys need to know when they're looking at a fake dollar bill. How are they trained for that? They are shown hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of true, authentic dollar bills. And they're so, they, they, they feel, they smell, they probably even lick it. They know what an authentic dollar bill looks like and feels like and is. So that when they're faced with a fake one, they go, huh, that's not, that's not real. I want to be so in tune with Holy Spirit that as I walk in his presence, I know even what mood he's in. I get to hear the faintest whisper. And then when there's a subtle voice and the enemy is very subtle, he's very good at being bad. I will know that thing immediately to be a stranger's voice. And I will say, no, Jesus, that's not you. Show me who you are. And I'll push into Jesus more and more and more so that eventually the enemy gets to take a risk when he touches me. Because every time he tries, he just pushes me closer into my king. Okay, so the walls of salvation have gates, except that in the Life Application Bible, Isaiah 60 verse 18 says, Salvation will surround you like city walls, and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. Enter where? A wall. How do you enter a wall? It doesn't say anything about gates in the Life Application Bible. But praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. Your praise builds a place of access. What if I don't feel like praising God? What if I don't feel like it? My life sucks. I'm not in the mood. I'm in pain. In Revelation 21, an angel says to John, John, come and see the bride. And John goes in the spirit and he sees the city of Jerusalem coming down from the throne. Don't think it with your brain. It's meant for your heart. A city implies community. The bride is us, the church. The city is coming down from the throne. She is gold glass. And she has walls on either side, on every side. She's square. She's actually a perfect cube. Three gates, three gates, three gates, three gates. Three gates. 
12 gates in all. The whole of Revelation is all about 12s and 7s. Oh, my gosh. But I don't want to go there. And I just did. Um, The gates that are spoken about in that new Jerusalem in the walls are made of pearl. In fact, there's an exclamation mark in one of the Bibles where it says, each gate made from one pearl. How big are those oysters? Those are huge. Pearls are formed under agitating circumstances. Okay, so I come here and I'm having a bad life, actually. I'm just having such a bad day. I'm in a bad mood. Just don't feel like praising God. Don't feel like praising. But anyway, I decide to choose Jesus. Peter, get out of the boat. No, Jesus didn't say, Peter, get out of the boat. Jesus is standing on the water and he just says, Peter, come to me. And Peter's like transfixed and he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. He's amazed, eyes on Jesus. And then, oh my gosh, I'm on the water and he sinks. So the water is our circumstances and we can either choose to be consumed by them, which is probably the easier choice, or we can choose God. And that choice gets easier the more like Jesus we look. So I choose God and I begin to praise him for his goodness in the midst of my pain. So my pain is rejection. And I say to God, you're amazing. I'm just, I think you're (laughs) so awesome. And I love you. And you've made me like you. And you are my acceptance. I'm accepted in the beloved. Thank you that you accept me just the way I am. And I begin to feel lighter. And I begin to, I begin to feel accepted. Remember, though, that praising and worship is not about how we feel. It's not for us. It's not about us. But in God's mercy, he gives us a nugget. And the nugget of gold is we get to look like Jesus, his best for us. That's how much he loves us. And as we push into the goodness of God's character in the midst of our crisis and our pain. He reveals himself to us and he shows us just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more of who he is. And revelation leads to transformation. Yes? Are you all okay? Are we good? But why is it called a sacrifice of praise? The word sacrifice implies cost. And when we're not in the mood and when life sucks, it's costly. I would far rather just go and sulk at home. I don't want to praise God. But here's the awesomest thing that has changed my life. When we get to heaven one day and we praise Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. It's going to look different to what praise looks like on earth. Because in heaven there is no pain. And in heaven there is no cost. It's been paid. I don't know what praise is going to look like in heaven. It's just glorious. But I do know that if there's a measure of pain on earth, 
perhaps we should grab the chance while we're on earth to offer God a smoking hot sacrifice. The hotter, the, the, the deeper our pain, the more insane our circumstances, the hotter the sacrifice. I want to offer him burning, burning sacrifice. And then he gives us beauty for ashes as we walk through that fire, proclaiming his goodness and declaring his beauty. As we walk through that fire, he refines us. We come out the other side looking more like Jesus. It's beautiful. So that's for us. That's for us. We get to look like Jesus. But in Isaiah 62 verse 10, it talks about open the gates, open the gates, prepare the way, build a highway. Build a highway. Like what's with that? What's the highway? As you in your pain, as you in your place of humanity are praising God and declaring who he is, There's a highway that's being built behind you. A highway is a place of easy access. If I want to get from Hillcrest to Kloof, I'm not going to go windy, windy, get car sick. I'm going to take the freeway, the highway, because it's quick and it's easy. I slip onto it. And as people walk into this church and we are praising, they can slip into our slipstream. Maybe there's someone who's in deeper pain than you and just cannot find it in themselves to praise God. But they can slip into God's presence because of the work that's been done, because of your sacrifice. People find it easier to come to Jesus. And for those people who don't know who Jesus is, they walk in here and they say, man, it's a different place that. It's just, it, it was amazing. There was... There was something incredible about, I don't know, the atmosphere was just was so peaceful. I've heard so often, so peaceful. It's God's presence. And they don't know it. couple more things I want to say that worship is always and only ever for God. It cannot be used as a tool. My friend is sick. I'd better worship. Maybe God will heal her. Your time of worship is not a time for you to give God your prayer list of wants. Worship is only ever for God from you. Coffee has an effect. So does drugs. So does watching TV. We never worship for effect. We worship because we were born for it. God created us to worship him. And God created us in his image. But in our fallen state, we're still created for worship, but we choose to worship other things. And we begin to look like that which we worship. We never worship for effect. Worship is not a means to an end. Worship is the end. And by his mercy alone do we get to gain anything. And as I've said, anything is God's best for you to look like Jesus. And most importantly, we can't do this by ourselves. Pick up the word of God. If you don't walk with Jesus, if you haven't got Holy Spirit inside of you, you're going to get bored in five minutes. 
Paul Alcock has read the word of God in such a passionate way his whole life. When you were born again, did you receive the Spirit immediately? Paul. Can you remember? God's words were like fire running up and down your body. That's Holy Spirit. And I believe, I, I, can't, I can't say if I, if I didn't have Holy Spirit inside of me for the 34, 35 years that I was born again until I saw Todd White. You know my story. But three years ago, I, I saw Todd White and everything has changed since then. And now when I read the word of God, it's new. Oh my gosh. And then when I read that same thing again tomorrow, oh my gosh, because there's another facet, God revealing himself again. And oh my gosh, I mean, how many times can you read the same sentence and oh my gosh, (laughs) it's Holy Spirit and it's life. It's the way it should be. So we must partner with Holy Spirit. Will you stand? Um, Alan Judd, can you go, please, and sit there? Thank you, Jesus, that you are who you say you are. We trust you, Lord. We trust you and we love you and we marvel at the simplicity of who you are. And I look back and I think of how perhaps I've complicated things. Thank you for the picture of the helmet of salvation which keeps my mind safe for the um, shield of faith because I trust you. I trust that you are who you say you are. I've never seen you, God, but apparently I'm to look like you. And that is to reflect the facets of your glory. And as you change me and conform me into the image of God, I trust you from glory to glory, from glory to glory. And the glory gets bigger every time a nugget of gold gets added into this pot called Milan Blackman. And every other one that is here. We are your bride and we want to shine for you. So the spirit, the, the, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. Show us who you are, God. Show us who you are. And may we become so intimate with you that we will know the enemy's voice in a heartbeat and dance on it and laugh at it. Because you are who you say you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for renewed lives. Thank you for transformation. We're going to enter into a time of worship now. And if you want to receive the Holy Spirit again, 
or for the first time. Believe that God will fill you. If you need prayer, welcome to come to the front. If you have never met with Jesus and you want him inside your heart, if you want him to set up his home inside of you, come to the front. If you want to renew your commitment to Jesus, come to the front. If you want healing in any way, come to the front. And could the prayer team also please come to the front, the ministry team, and minister to people. Because God is, God has more. There's always more. God has more for us. Let's press into the more of God.